This is Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, solo, flying solo today because both of my co-hosts are out in separate investigative reportings today. So I am here in the studio talking about planning for the future if you're not yet 50. And my guest today is Amy Peck. And we just did a podcast, our last one, on people of a certain age or similar sensibilities sharing living quarters. And that got us thinking about what is the best time of life to be able to start thinking about what it's going to be like as a lifestyle or as an ideal lifestyle later on in life. Sometimes we're not necessarily partnered later on. Maybe we've always been single. Maybe we've never had children. Maybe we live far from family. There are so many reasons to start thinking about how we want to live in the future so that the future doesn't sneak up on us. So welcome to the Boom Goddess Talk Table, Amy. Thanks, Andrea. And tell us a bit about your stage of life and how you imagine your future unfolding in the decades to come, because envisioning is a big part of obtaining what we're looking for in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, so envisioning. So I'm 48 now. And yeah, a lot of people under 50 don't really think about what you know life is going to look like when they're 70, when they're 80. Um, Unless, of course, they're taking care of aging parents. Exactly, exactly. And developing the antipathy to assisted living and nursing homes, etc. Exactly, right, right. Um, So we're not thinking about ourselves so much, but maybe a older relative. My husband and I have been married for 25 years, and we've got three teenage boys still at home. Um, And my parents are both in their... 60s and relatively young and healthy, they've probably started thinking about some things for themselves. We'll have to interview them. We'll have to interview them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But you, not yet 50. Right. And your friends, probably in the same age group. You ever have those kinds of conversations? Well, my friend Stephanie and I have joked that uh, someday we'll both be old and we're going to set our rocking chairs next to each other on a porch somewhere and drink wine and watch flowers grow. Um, And I think that's that's, a very universal kind of (laughs) fantasy because I know I've had that fantasy myself. Right. so with my friends. And it's always funny that we include the rocking chair. And (laughs) once a very long time ago, we were making believe that we were talking to one another and all of a sudden we had accents. Oh, Like from the old country. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> so, so that was kind of funny, like growing older meant that we would start talking like we were coming from, you know, Eastern Europe in the 1920s. <laughs> My voice goes like this when I start talking old, so maybe you're right. That's right. That's right. You're n- n- Nebraska. So you have three teenage boys. Yes. And when I'm older, they are, I've told them that they are going to find a someone who wants to wash their socks or maybe when mm-hmm. <laughs> when when the little when they were little and I would go to the boys school and if the little girls would come up oh so and so has a crush on your your son and I would say well does she want to wash his socks oh 
because if she wants to wash his socks, she can have him right now. So that <laughs> right, but be careful. You don't want to part with any of your relatives unnecessarily. <laughs> right, right. So when they grow up, I've told them they will marry a nice young lady and get married under the mesquite tree in the backyard, and they will have little female offspring to have tea parties in the backyard with granny and they will live close so that they can come take care of me. And they're girls. Whenever, so yes, they will yes. be compensating yes. for all the time you spent on yes. having boy, doing boy stuff. Right. But they will, they will come and take care of me whenever I need them to. And so that's like my retirement plan. And you love this idea. <laughs> I love this idea. Right? And you told them all yes. in no uncertain terms. Absolutely. Oh, man. Great yeah. plan. Beautiful yeah. dream. Let it be so. In yep. so many cases, however, we've all dreamed. Things don't always turn out as we plan. So right, right, and already I have uh, friends or or my age whose kids are maybe a little bit older, and they've already moved out of state, so they don't have kids close nearby any longer. And I thought, well, that 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 doesn't work into my plan. So I don't know. Uh, well, you've the, had multiple children, so, we'll so see. the likelihood of at least one of them. <laughs> I have a friend who was, and hopefully he'll be listening, who was in the middle of four boys, and they had a female mom. Right. <laughs> and it was so interesting to me as I listened to what was going on in his life, how these men took care of mom. Which is which speaks to your situation, right? Um, so often we hear that it's the females to whom it falls to take care of aging parents, right? Right, and you know, back in the the old day, that's what they did. the The elder parents would go live with you know a daughter or a son's family, and and that's just how it was taken care of. But things look so different now. Did did you have a, a plan when when you were my age or, or younger? And what did you think that that would look like? When, by the time I was your age, I was I was definitely having plans. But um, I got married at twenty and got divorced mm, at around twenty nine, and so I didn't have a plan at that point. But I was then a single mom, so there were some creative solutions that emerged. Um, I had a friend who had two daughters, and a wonderful graduate student wound up living with her and sort of being in between the age of the girls and her age. And I thought to myself, this is a really good setup. As soon as I was really clear about that, a wonderful graduate student emerged in my life. I happened to be teaching at the university at the time, and one of the graduate students wound up living with me and being between my son's age and my age. And that was a, a fabulous solution when I was in my early 30s. So the solutions when you're young are not necessarily the solutions when you're older. When I was about 50, I was widowed. Wow. And so I had to start thinking about alternatives. I wasn't even thinking about dating or anything like that. At that point, I was thinking, how am I going to live when I'm older and unpartnered? And so I began having ideas about how, being me, I would create some kind of situation that would work. So we could talk about that. But you know, everything from taking in a housemate to, at that point, ultimately maybe living in an ashram or a commune. 
Oh my goodness, a national, you know, the in the was the 60s, you know, that that was the big thing, you know, I'm going to run off and join a commune, you know, but right. now we're finding communal living is actually making sense for so many more reasons, so many different reasons. And there are some, there are just countless reasons why living with another person who's not a member of your family is, is doable, is viable, and maybe in many ways preferable. Right. I love how you had the graduate student, you know, you could kind of mentor her. Maybe she shared the financial, you know, responsibilities and then kind of helped with your son and did a lot of cooking. Did a lot. <laughs> she nice. did. She was a vegetarian. She did a lot of careful cooking. And it was really, when I look back on it, a really wonderful time in my life. But I think that sometimes we forget that there are so many different um, uh, possibilities out there. But unless we have the conversation or illustrate the conversation like we're doing today, so many of the cultural norms take over. And those norms, being afraid to think outside the box, really interferes with working out what could really work. Right, right. People, adults think, well, you know, a roommate, that's that's crazy. I don't I don't need a, a roommate, but or or they think of, you know, if two women are sharing a home that aren't related that oh it, it must be a romantic thing or it's but there's so many talents and gifts that people can bring to each other living communally. Um, and especially now that people are starting to think a little more about their impact on the earth, you know, if you look in from an airplane over Tucson, you know, every little square house has its own little circle pool in the backyard. And sometimes I just think, oh, wow, do we really need that many swimming pools in Tucson? Right. But, mm, right. Yeah. To start to think about, well, how can we, you know share some of this space some on of earth. the re some of the resources on earth for sure and um and I think this really begs the question, and maybe we will have one of those uh, creative architects do a podcast for us about some of the new ways of building communities, some of the factors that go into creating structures that really would make a lot of sense. The design of most houses is a master bath right. with three bedrooms. I think that's probably two or three bedrooms, which is probably the norm. And then as we go up in the socioeconomic status, then we can have a number of master suites, if right. you will, right. you know, four bedrooms, five bedrooms. But it's a little tricky to uh, convert those um, living arrangements into ones that would work for two people living completely independently. Many years back, I had a friend, I still have this friend, Sharon, who shared with me a very inspirational book. And it was about that time right after I was widowed. And it was called The Ladies of Covington Send Their Love. I'll never forget this book. It was about four women who ultimately wound up living together in a big old farmhouse in North Carolina. 
It definitely fed the fire of the whole notion of living with friends, which many of my younger friends, I watched them develop that thought process somewhere in their 40s and early 50s. Right. It almost becomes universal, the way the old TV show The Golden Girls did. Oh, sure. Yeah. And something like you and Stephanie, you know, how old were you when you and Stephanie came up with that idea? Well, I think we were like 20. But <laughs> But we right. haven't given it up. Right. But <laughs> Neither one of us were married at the time. So. <laughs> well, but that's when the foresight begins. Right. And if um, our listeners tune into the podcast that we did on Puzzle Q, which is people of persons of, of shared sensibility, sharing living, similar sensibility, sharing living quarters. Right. Got to right. get that extra S in there. That extra yeah. S. And it's a little bit, it was an easier flow the first time I tried to say it. Right. And it. what is really interesting about that, their relationship, because I, li- I was listening to that podcast, um, Sharon and Deb, they, they weren't, they didn't know each other at first. So it wasn't a, we're friends, we're going to be roommates situation. It was that they both had a specific need and it was very well designed and thought out and it was very um, deliberate. But where the friends came in is that each one of them spoke about that wish, spoke about that vision right. to their large network of friends until the power of numbers came to be where they found a similar friend, which was probability-wise inevitable, given that they both were pretty clear about putting it out there. And then, lo and behold, their needs matched up. Not right. without some not without some interviewing, not without many, many conversations, but ultimately their needs matched up. And so we ended that conversation by saying, it's an awfully good idea, A, to have vision, and B, to know what you have to contribute if you don't have the real estate to contribute what you have to contribute to that kind of less conventional, maybe, partnership. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Yes. And we will be thinking about new ways to put people together. And we'll see on the other side. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64. you for staying with us. And um, we're talking about the whole idea of planning for the future in terms of living arrangements. And the idea of living with others is very appealing to young single mothers as well as older women and comes to play out in all kinds of arrangements. Right. I was I was telling you, I was listening to a story about uh, on NPR, because I'm an NPR junkie. Uh, it was about a Younger woman who was, you know, work. I can't remember if she was working or going to school or a combination of both. And her, 
she her family was looking to make arrangements for her grandmother who needed an extra level of care um but the you know assisted living corporate assisted living is so expensive it's just ridiculous and the granddaughter ended up moving back to live with her grandmother because i mean it just makes common sense and it was a win win for both you know she was able to ease some of her financial burdens and they could make sure that grandma got taken care of and just kind of watched over and i think that that is it just a really we just need to be more open to arrangements like that yeah sometimes sometimes it's it's almost so obvious that we don't see it right because we're not used to thinking about things that way and that's partially what we're doing here with this podcast is to really expose ways of thinking and open up to possibilities right my mom has this saying she's she says what is trying to happen here and <laughs> that's why you know we have a caller on the line oh, neat. and her name is barbara welcome barbara well thank you andrea and you have been I, listening to our conversation i have i have and you know i have a neighbor who did exactly what um amy just described tell us um you know the granddaughter moved in and actually lived there for several years taking care of grandma Although grandma had a caregiver during the day, the grandchild was there, you know, adult grandchild was there in the evening and and through the night. So, um, yeah, what my, I have a little different question to pose into the space. And that is the idea of couples who may be looking for other living arrangements as they age for a variety of reasons, um, financial maybe, to reduce isolation. Um, I, I, you know, there could be many different reasons why that might happen. And I, I just wondered if either of you had had any exposure to ideas of couples moving into a community uh, house. I read your hives, um, Andrea, and uh, I just, it's curious to me. You know, I'm so glad you bring this up, Barbara, because there, um, you know, we were talking before about cultural norms and the usual way of doing things. And mm -hmm. so thinking outside the box is something that's going to be demanded of us ultimately. I mean, I, I really have the thought that the older we get, the more we need to adapt, the more the demand is for us to be creative. You know, when you first yeah. start out in life, there are all these structures that support us, you know, for the right. most part. You know, we have family, we have school, we have other institutions, we have job. But once we out um, out age those structures, which is ter terrifically freeing, at the same yeah. time, the structures fall away. And I think there's really a call to create those structures. You mentioned that you... Um, remember that I shared a paper with you that I wrote that affectionately was called The Hive. And we called it The Hive. My friends named it The Hive. I didn't even name it. At that point, it was just <laughs> brainstorming with myself and trying to identify the future. And so many people were interested in creating 
a community that wasn't an assisted living community. It wasn't like Amy was talking about institutionally managed community. But what the dream was that and it was before tiny houses, but that was the concept that there would be you know, independent living modules, if you will, or in today's Mm -hmm. parlance, some tiny houses around a communal area, and it would be Mm -hmm. all connected. I always envisioned that there would be communal area in the center, like a big circle, and that there would be um, like a community of little houses around that circle, um, like a clock. And yeah. and people could be coupled, could be single. Um, we wanted a healthy balance of, you know, male and female people there. The thing that was special about what I what ultimately became calling the hive was that there would there would be rental space as well. So oh. there'd be equity owners for the people that could afford to create um, the purchase of a property and, and, and finance the building. And at the same time, there would be people who would rent their module, their house. And uh-huh. um, so that would be income and, and it would pay down the investment. And also at the same time, we were envisioning back then conference space that we would use because most of us were people who would teach or show or had something to offer. So we were we were fantasizing, and I'm just going to say that was a fantasy, but everything starts with a fantasy, right. that there right. would be conference space, state-of-the-art, whatever that was when I first thought about this in 2005, or state-of-the-art uh-huh. now in 2020, that would really be able to be rented out, and so there'd be a constant flow of income. Uh, from this uh-huh. conference center, so that was a that was a dream that fit my needs and the needs of my colleagues and friends at the time. But the idea of having couples, how would you envision that, Barb? How would you see that working, like apartment well, houses? You know, John and I lived in. Um, we owned a co-housing, uh, a home in a co-housing community here in Tucson for a time, and. I found that model um, that we were in at the time would not serve as we got older because there was an anticipation of a fair amount of physical um, participation, right, in hmm. upkeep at that time. In that, co- in that co-housing situation. Yes, yeah. and not all of them have that, but those that don't have that generally have a pretty hefty monthly maintenance fee. Right. I mean, you can understand you've got a big piece of property supporting um, these homes. So there's a maintenance thing. Right. And part of what, um, you know, I watched your segment with Deb and Sharon, and part of what was appealing there was that um, there wasn't this big um maintenance required of multiple buildings. I, you know, I love your dream and (laughs) it is, it does take maintenance on something that is that large and that, um, I'll use the word complex in its, um, you know, in what, who it serves and how it serves. It's interesting that you bring that up because the dream with the part that I didn't suggest was that it was an intergenerational community 
-hmm. in that there were people who they may have been renters, they may have been part equity owners, but that they would, my fantasy originally was that they were healthcare workers. They were people who were technicians and technologists who would be able to take care of the overall physical plant. Amy, you you had a response to that. Right, right. I think that, you know, that intergenerational part um, because a lot of the communities, if it's if it's not a co-housing where you are have a certain physical expectation, a lot of the like fifty five plus communities um, have a lot of those things. They have a community yeah. pool. There's community meeting rooms. There's like right. a, you know a craft room that you can go. My mom lives in one, and they have like a. A welding room or something. I don't know. An over, that's an over 50 community. Right, it's right. not an assisted living. Right. Not assisted right. living, but an over 50 community where there's, you know, these shared resources, but they do come with a cost. They do come with a price. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that I was thinking of housing had. Ex- right. Right. Um, yeah. But I think um, I'm seeing people um, leasing out a room in their own home. And I'm Uh I'm wondering if that could be a solution for, like you said, a a coupled, you know, couple, Mm -hmm. a a partner couple, Um, you and your husband, if you had an extra bedroom or something or some... An ensuite. Right, right. That um, a lot of younger people might just be looking for, you know... yeah. A, a place, especially, you know, homes in Tucson, a lot of students come to the U of A who are just looking right. to, you know, have a bedroom somewhere, basically. And there's also the, you know, the single mothers who have one right. child that would give anything to move into a house with a grandma and grandpa. Right. So yeah. I think what we'd like to do here is to reach out to our audience and to begin the conversation um, to create a very um, open forum for ideas and also for dilemmas and just to have that out there so that we can begin the conversation or we can continue the conversation. We can enrich the conversation with the responses of our community. So I'm thinking that you've heard us start this conversation. So you've heard from us and thank you, Barb, for, you know, for contributing to this conversation. Now we would love to hear from you. So we have a boomgoddess.com webpage, and there's a place there for comments. We have a Facebook page, and perhaps we can post this as an MP3 on our Facebook page as well. And we could, and we will, and we are inviting comments. So if you've got thoughts, if you've got ideas, if you've had some good experiences, or you just would love to contribute um, a dream, it can be futuristic. It doesn't have to be doable. We don't want to discourage the brainstorming. And you know, one of the right. one of the rules of brainstorming is that right. we don't reject anything. We have it out there because exactly. what you, yeah, what you put out there may not be, let's say, viable or doable, but what somebody else might get triggered to think based on your idea could begin a really fertile conversation. 
the next few seconds where we're going to say goodbye. I almost want to play the excerpt of the Beatles. Will you still need me? How will you feed me when I'm 94? Yeah. Right. We've passed 64. We have passed 64. And I picture a little animation that has that line um, spelled out. But we have the six. And what we'll do with the six is turn it into a nine. Andrea Goldmarks here and Amy Peck, our guest, and Barbara Isley. Thank you so much for joining us. You're a fabulous correspondent and commentator. And we look forward to seeing the comments from our audience. Thank you so much. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.